Welcome back to another edition of the Pugging Cop Boxing Show here with Lance Pugmire as always. Lots to get into today. We're still waiting to see who's going to win the Canelo Alvarez sweepstakes. We're still waiting to hear if Vasily Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez are going to actually get a deal done for this fight. And we're going to take a look at Virgil Ortiz in the return of the zone on Saturday. But first, let's look into Canelo Lance. We've been talking about this for weeks. It seems like deja vu every time Canelo Alvarez fights where there's always this big process that goes into it. So many guys are looking for career high paydays, hoping to hit the lottery. And we're less than 60 days out. September 12th is the target date for Canelo Alvarez's next fight. We know he likes to fight on Mexican Independence Day weekend. And he celebrated his 30th birthday over the weekends. So... Who do we, is he going to fight? I'm hearing that Callum Smith is still the front runner. That is the fight the zone wants, I'm told. That's the fight Canelo wants. I think it's the fight all the fans want, of at least of the guys being discussed. And from what I had heard, Callum was offered $5 million later in, late last week. Um, he's been asking for six, but it doesn't seem like they're very far apart now. Lance, who do you want to see him fight? I think that would be the, the best choice, obviously, for uh, Canelo. I mean, the fact that he can stay at a, his uh, comfort weight of 168 pounds against an undefeated world champion, I think would be a, a, a great September uh, show for Canelo, and especially for the sport itself. I mean, the, the sport needs this jolt in the arm, Mike. I mean, based on you know what where it is right now and some of these lopsided fights where that we've seen you know with top rank, you know, like we've said before. Uh, putting the sport back on television, but look, we we're we're longing. I think everyone feels like they're longing for a big fight, and if Canelo, as we've talked about, you know, the face of boxing, can be the guy to to say, look, I want I want to take on a fellow champion in a unification fight. Uh, more power to him because that is in, in his best interest. After that, Mike, I mean, I would love. I mean, to I mean, even real quick, I, w- I wouldn't yeah, really consider it a unification fight. Canelo has a nonsense secondary title. <laughs> he, he actually, Callum Smith actually has the legitimate WBA title. Okay, so yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I'm just saying, my personal opinion, it's not a unification fight. And Canelo, yeah. in my opinion, is a three division champ and can become a four division champ with this win. <laughs> okay, wow. Um, yeah, I mean, I think after that, Mike, I mean, I would love to see him. And I know, I just, I just feel like, uh, you know, we don't have this straight out from Canelo's mouth, but you just get the sense after his last fight was at light heavyweight that it'd be too much to try to go back down to middleweight because I, I would love to see him against Demetrius Andre too, but it's just, you know, it's too, too great of a jump. And then I think there would be, I don't, I don't want to say some danger, but I just think, think it's like kind of a no win situation for him to fight Dimitri Bivol. No one really knows Bivol. And, you know, it's, for me, Callum Smith is is the best opportunity just because it's going to have the most universal uh, worldwide appeal. And uh, let's hope that it happens. The fact of what you're saying that if they're only $1 million apart, you would hope that they can uh, uh, bridge that to allow, you know, like we said, uh, a big fight to come back uh, on the boxing landscape. Yeah, and to put a few things to rest, I mean, internet rumors have been going wild with all kinds of names for Canelo Alvarez. Canelo is not going to fight Jason Quigley, as has been discussed on, seen on social media and a few reports. I mean, that would be a laugh over fight. I, mm-hmm. I, can't, I don't even know if Quigley gets out of the first rounds. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I, you know, I don't, from what I've been told, the zone wouldn't even approve that fight, and Canelo has no interest in it. And the same goes for a couple of the other Golden Boy fighters that I've seen discussed 
like a David Lemieux and a Toriano Johnson, those are not really being discussed. The only guy I think being discussed right now heavily is Callum Smith, and maybe John Ryder would be considered if Callum Smith and, and Canelo can agree on the money. But Callum's a formidable opponent. He's considered the number one fighter at 168 pounds. He's a big 68 pounder too. So mm-hmm. that's the fight I want to see. Undefeated guy. I know he had a lot of problems with Ryder in his last fight, but I think that's the fight to make. Like you said, uh, there's other fights at 68, but those are all of PBC and it doesn't seem like there's any traction there whatsoever. So hopefully Canelo Callum Smith is going to be agreed to sooner than later. I know Canelo and the zone would both be rather uh, unhappy if we once again see Alvarez pushed off that Mexican Independence Day weekend. Absolutely. And, you know, Mike, I wanted to ask you something because you brought up a good point with Jason Quigley. And I wanted to know, I think uh, this would be interesting, I think, to the to the listeners too, because look, we are kind of deluged sometimes in this business with rumors that we know are nonsense. Do you feel obligated on social media to respond to that stuff? Or when you know it's it's like crock a bull, do you just kind of let it lie and like let someone who's putting that stuff out there end up with egg on their face? <laughs> That's a great question. It just depends, I think. I mean, you you're like you said it's boxing. We certainly can't shoot down every nonsense rumor. Yeah. Um, but in this instance, it wasn't uh, a pure internet rumor. I mean, Eric Gomez, the Golden Golden Boys president was going around saying that Quigley was one of the guys they were looking at. And I just know that that's not even being contemplated by Canelo in the zone. But Golden Boy tossed it around. Quigley, of course, wants it because it's a career-high payday for him and a a career-best opportunity. But that's just a a nonsense fight. So hopefully we're going to get this wrapped up soon. Anytime Canelo fights, there's a lot of interest. And there is, you know, look, I know Golden Boy's having a tough time getting this done now, but... You know, it, for once, they, they did seem like they had everything together. Uh, you know, they had Saunders ready for May 2nd uh, in a timely fashion. And then they had a deal for Golovkin on September 12th. And the pandemic canceled both of those fights. So, yeah, it's not all not all, not all on them in this instance. But another fight that's still not agreed to, but it's been talked about, Vasily Lomachenko versus Teofimo Lopez. And when you watch these ESPN telecast slants, you always see them talking about dates, right? We saw first it's September 19th, then it's October 2nd, I think, uh, or October 3rd. And then I did a few, I did some digging around, made a few phone calls, and I found out that there hasn't even been any offers extended to even either Lopez or Lomachenko. And yes, this is a, a, a cross promotion, no, sorry, um, you know, fight in-house fight for top rank. So it should yeah. in theory be easier, but as you know, when you get to fights of this magnitude, these negotiations are never easy and th- no offers being made. This goes back to before the that original May 30th date. There was no offers made before that either. So I wonder what's taking so long. Were you told anything along the lines of that? Some of this is, you know, not to cast blame on them really, because like we said, they they put the sport on television but that part of this is basically top rank needing to hear from ESPN about what they're willing to spend for this money or for this fight. I did hear something about that. I don't have it like concrete, but Mm -hmm. I do think since it's going to be an ESPN pay-per-view, there's going to be some of that in play. It's not, you know, they're not going to just slap it on ESPN. Right. So I think they, you know, I think they probably have to talk to ESPN and see what the deal is there since it's going to be pay-per-view fight. But I just wonder what's taking so long because, uh, you know, as you've reported as well, this fight was supposed to take place May 30th and there was no deal then. So before they can make a a fight, they need to at least put offers out there and start negotiating. 
uh, with you know, you know, you have David McWater who manages Teofimo Lopez and Egas Klimas who manages Lomachenko. Uh, right. I don't think these negotiations are ever that easy. Right, and maybe you know, maybe the the demands for uh, the money are a little bit you know unappetizing right now as we're waiting to see exactly what's going on with this uh, resurge of of COVID nineteen. I mean. I was talking to promoter Bob Arum uh, last week about, you know, just a, on a, having a general discussion about how he's feeling about it coming back so hard. And he said, look, you know, I'd like to think that we can get limited sections of fans into our, into these coming fights, uh, you know, like Lomachenko and uh, Lopez and like uh, uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder part three. But he says, I can't run a business on wish, wishful thinking. And, you know, he says, Actually, he had a quote, <laughs> I think, uh, you know, Aram fans would appreciate where he said, only an idiot like the president would, is frustrated about this. It <laughs> is, but it is what it is. And we have to let it play out and see what happens. But, you know, clearly not knowing exactly. I mean, even at you know, at this at this very stadium, Mike, that we're uh, talking about some of these fights landing, you just had um, uh, the owner of the uh, uh, the new Las Vegas Raiders say, you know, he doesn't expect fans to be attending the Raider games in that stadium and that he, he won't even go to the, uh, to the events himself if there's no fans. So this yeah, is all I think that bears. I think that bears a lot of watching Lance. I mean, I think the NFL is going to give the blueprint for how we're going to see fans and boxing, fight, uh, boxing events. If the NFL being the juggernaut that it is, is it going to have limited fans? I don't see how you have limited fans for boxing, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, uh, you know, look, it, it is good for the sports landscape that we're getting baseball back uh, this week, the, you know, NBA is soon to follow. And there is there does seem to be I know that there's uh, some bumps in the roads right now with the Players Association, Players Association in the NFL, but they're, you know, aiming to get their season back. So, you know, let's hope that that momentum continues. But it is it is difficult. And I think that you know, you're also seeing seeing that with some other networks, too, who have been kind of like slow to. Um, step into the fray uh, with the great unknowns of exactly how vicious uh, COVID-19 is going to uh, be as we head into the fall months. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but we do have the zone coming back with its first U.S.-based card this Saturday. Virgil Ortiz, uh, one of the best prospects in boxing, he's going to fight Samuel Vargas in a fight that was originally set for March. Um, Lance, just how good is Virgil Ortiz? I, I, my opinion, I don't think we know yet, but the, he's definitely very promising. He definitely seems to have a great skill set, even if he doesn't have the personality to match. <laughs> yeah, I think that, you know, I think he's very good, Mike. But I think that the best thing for him, and I mean, I've, I've done a couple stories, one on Virgil and then one in talking that you'll see on The Athletic this week on his trainer, Robert Garcia. Uh, I think this is a, a great thing in Virgil Ortiz's favor is that not only does he have like the full backing of his promoter, uh, Golden Boy and Oscar De La Hoya, we, we've, we've talked about that issue ad nauseum where he seems to be the chosen son now over uh, Ryan Garcia, you know, like it or not. Um, they have a very uh, patient tact with him because look, he, let's be honest, he is kind of locked out of the welterweight division, which is so dominated by PBC fighters. And then you've got uh, undefeated Terrence Crawford, who, you know, is not going to uh, probably step into the ring with this, with this young kid who's just uh, shown himself as such a killer early on. I like, I mean, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the, the resume of Virgil Ortiz leaves something to be desired, but 
just, you know, looking at some nuanced things uh, about him in the ring, I love how he kind of takes his time and then looks for like some kind of like early devastating blow to land on his opponent to let him know this is how hard I hit and this is how hard I'm going to hit throughout the fight. This guy is a, in great condition. Um, I would love to see him uh, take on an opponent that can, you know, take him into the later rounds, but he's, he's just proven right now against the, the, the type of uh, opponents that are, that are lining, him, uh, lining up for him that he's, he's going to uh, uh, destroy these guys um, sooner rather than later. What more would you like to see from him? Uh, you know, I, I think I'd like to see more out of his personality. I, I know he's a fun guy. You and I have been around him. Um, but it doesn't seem to have translated when he does his, his interviews on television and so forth. He's, he's, a, little, he's a little quiet, you know. Right. Um, I, I like to see him bring more of his personality out. In the ring, you know, I love his pressure. He has a nice jab. He seems to have a lot of power, and I, just, I think I just need better opposition before I can better get a better barometer of where he's at. He just treated, you know, he just turned 22 in March. But if he can keep developing at this pace, you know, if he's ready in, in the next couple of years, maybe him and Terrence Crawford can solve each other's problems. And Oh, um, my gosh. Yeah. I mean, Crawford hasn't had any uh, serious opposition at, at welterweight yet with PBC kind of freezing him out. And Virgil Ortiz is a welterweight who's not going to have anyone to fight either. So I, I have no idea how soon Golden Boy's going to want to throw him in the fire, but... If if we could get Crawford versus Ortiz maybe late next year, that would be that would be a big fight. It'd be sensational. And look, let's be honest. I mean, the matchmakers at Golden Boy, they've got to be, um, you know, they're working overtime. They should be to try to get this uh, kid the right type of competition that is going to allow him to, you know, really, really kind of show he, how good he is and to to end this discussion, so to speak, as he as he moves on in his career. I mean, he's he's still just 22 years old. I'm not sure that Samuel Vargas is the guy who's going to, you know, really allow him to reveal himself other than, you know, it should be a, a dominant display uh, Friday night on the zone. I guess um, um, good to have the zone back though, Mike, right? I mean, let's be honest. If you have, if you kept the zone app <laughs> like I did for whatever reason, it seems like a huge waste of money, but I was, uh, you know, once talking to a friend who said, look, if you've, uh, if you love the sport and you, um, you know, you want to try to support those that are involved in, in, in a big way, that's really the only reason that I've kept the app. I don't know about you. I mean, um, I don't know, man. We, have, we also have a friend of the podcast, Chris Mannix. He has a couple of shows true. on there. So, yes. so, so sorry, Chris, for any uh, disrespect. Nothing intended from Lance. <laughs> no, not at all. But uh, I'd like um, to see some fights too, you know? Yeah, no, no question. I've seen a lot of complaints on Twitter about what you're talking about. Um, a lot of people asking for, you know, but as long as the fights deliver, I think people will forget. Who doesn't love a clean-shaven man? Hey, producer Cam here, and yes, this does sound like an ass scene on TV ad, but I'll tell you what, Manscaped's results are proven. Manscaped is dedicated to helping you level up your full-body grooming game to the max. They have forever changed the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Not 1.0, not 2.0, but 3.0. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with the Essential Lawnmower 3.0, waterproof, yes, cordless body trimmer, and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This is, I will say, the best trimmer on the market for those of you in need of a chest shave. This third-generation trimmers features skin-safe technology to reduce manscaping accidents. And guess what? Inside the perfect package, you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver. 
ooh, an anti-chafing undercarriage deodorant and moisturizer because we know how painful chafing can be. Subscribe to The Perfect Package and get a new blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code, listen up, the Athletic 20 Again, that's the Athletic 20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code theathletic20. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Brief. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code theathletic20. Back to the show. You know, Virgil's an impressive Mexican-American. We have a Mexican uh, fighting on Tuesday, um, you know, this week, Oscar Valdez. And I know you spoke to both Valdez and Miguel Burchelt about this fight that's been seemingly in the making for quite some time now. Is that fight going to happen, Lance? Yes, uh, by, I, I actually, again, in talking to Bob Aram, he says he absolutely plans to have this fight go down uh, by December at the latest. Um, as long as Oscar Valdez clears the, um, to me, uh, the minor speed bump of Jason Velez um, tonight on ESPN, then we're going to be moving on to a matchup of, you know, former featherweight champion uh, Valdez against uh, current super featherweight champion Miguel Burchelt, who has really, you know, shown himself as just a dominating power puncher. And I think, you know, look, we saw Oscar Valdez really roughed up and beaten up by a bigger uh, squat, Scott Quigg. Um, in 2018, Mike, and I, you know, I have serious concerns about Oscar against Miguel Burchelt in this fight. It's very interesting to me um, that these guys basically come from the same hometown of uh, Hermosillo, uh, Mexico, and they actually run the same streets as they're preparing, you know, and now they're going to step into the ring and stage a battle that they, the two of them compare to uh, Morales and Barrera. Do you see this as being that good of a fight? Can it rise to that level? Or do you see it being sort of one-sided in Miguel Burchelt's favor? Yeah, I, I make Miguel Burchelt a massive favorite. Um, you know, I think Oscar Valdez is a, has been in a lot of wars at this point. Um, he's a really fun fighter, but I think that he hasn't quite lived up to the expectations that a lot of people had for him coming out of the Olympics. You know, he's, he's now he's won a title and he's a solid fighter, but I think Miguel, Miguel Burchelt is a different kind of animal right now at this stage of his career. And I think Burchelt should stop Valdez in that fight, but I do want to see, I think it's going to be a good action fight for as long as it goes. Now, let me ask you this, Mike, I'm going to give you some ribbing here, but uh, in the name of my, uh, my good friend or our good friend, Norm Fraunheim, are you an Oscar Valdez hater? <laughs> I'm not. A, I mean, Oscar Valdez is a, he's a He's a great guy. You know, I, th I think he's been working on his defense with Eddie Reynoso in San Diego. Uh, and he speaks fluent English, which is really impressive. But mm -hmm. um, I, I just, yeah, you know, for, for, for all the hype that was around Valdez, I don't think it's been uh, merited in his performances so far. Yeah, it's a little too susceptible defensively. And look, let's be honest, Mike. I mean, those are, um, those are difficult uh uh, voids to fill. I mean, don't you think, I mean, when you have, when you have defensive openings like that, it's a tough, it's a tough thing to really solve, especially when your nature is to try to be so offensive minded. And I know that's what Eddie Reynoso um, is doing his best at with Oscar Valdez, but it, I think it goes to the nature of the fighter 
And it's like, hey, I'm either going to win my fight my way or I'm going to lose my way, but at least that I've done it my way. And to me, that's that seems to be um, the the credo of Oscar Valdez. And I and I and again, I think it's going to he's going to pay the price for that against the bigger man. Yeah, Valdez has talked about how much he loves putting on these great fights, and I think he's a great action fighter. Um, he's you know he's obviously a big he loves the sport. Um, you know, can you fix defense in a couple of training camps with a top trainer like Eddie Reynoso? I don't think so. I think it takes a lot more than that, but he's trying and hopefully we do see that fight, um, in the, in the fourth quarter of 2020. So you know, what's really, yeah, you know, what's cool about it too, Mike, is that it leads the winner like Burchell onto, you know, a fight against Shakur Stevenson and that guy, whoever that winner is, um, as he moves to a Shakur fight. Then you're, you know, then you look up a division and you say, wow, all those guys at 135 too, this really sets the stage for some, some elite fights and really kind of can make that 135, uh, 134 pound divisions as we've talked about before, just basically the, the, the center of the boxing world, given all the great fights that you can make around those weight classes. Yeah, it's definitely uh, percolating right now. Hopefully we just get the matchup is done. Like, like a Ryan Garcia versus Luke Campbell, which we're hoping is going to get made. And, and hopefully there's an offer soon there. That's another great fight. Speaking of Eddie Reynoso, though, Julio Cesar Martinez was supposed to headline Eddie Hearn's first U.S.-based card August 15th. We're told that he's off the card with an illness, but it's not coronavirus. But he does Ooh. have an illness. He's off the card. The expectation is that August 15th is going to go through with a new main event. And I've heard they're looking at maybe Regis Progray or oh. maybe a few other options. But at this late stage, it might be a little tough getting a top-notch main event in place. What would you want to see, Lance, that you think is viable? I mean, I'd love to see Regis, and especially uh, – for uh, refresh my memory, Mike. That card is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, isn't it? Yes. So, I mean, you know, close enough location to where Regis', is, uh, uh, Regis stomping grounds are. And a perfect, perfect assignment for him. This is a guy we know is ready to go and to get him, to get him back in the ring and allow him, you know, mo to move on from that loss against Josh Taylor and really kind of assert himself as this player and the 140 pound division is something that we know that he's chomping at the bit for. So that would be the, uh, uh, the, the perfect, uh, the type of replacement fighter to step in there. Um, yeah, no, I would love that. I think get maybe if they could revisit that, maybe that Pablo Cesar Cano matchup they were discussing mm -hmm. at one point, that would be great. But, um, shame that Martinez is, is off the card. You know, you know, it wasn't the most high profile fight against, uh, McWilliams Arroyo, but it would have been a fun one and would have been guaranteed action, but good to have Eddie Hearn coming back. He comes back, you know, a week after that, he has the big Dillian White Pavekin fight, which in my opinion is the no, no doubt first major fight back yeah um it's it's far by far the, i mean canelo is the, the first truly make a make a fight back but dillian white versus alexander pavekin is way bigger than any fight we had we would have seen into that point um, it's exactly yeah one. it's exactly the fight don't you think mike that dillian white needs i mean this guy he's he he you know when you bang the drum for yourself on show, social media it's one thing but when you when you, you can stand in there against a guy who has you know fought for uh the belt before and really uh, um, show how, how good you are and show that you are a serious player in this heavyweight division. I don't think anything that he can say on social media or anything that he can say in criticizing the WBC or some of these you know, powers that be that he feels are holding him back 
will will speak anything with more volume than defeating Alexander Povetkin. So for from Dillian White perspective, it's such an important night for him. And and I like you've reported on before. That's going to be a great uh, fight card that Eddie Hearn has staged at his uh, has his garden there in England. Yeah, for sure. Um, and one one other thing I do want to talk about talking about fights and purses. We had a lot of outcry on social media last week where it was revealed that Nevada is no longer going to reveal the purse the, the per sheets for, for both boxing and MMA. Now, oh. I tweeted out and said, good move, less disinformation. A lot of people were angry about this. But I, look, I, I can't really speak to the MMA fash, uh, side of it. I don't cover the MMA. But when it comes to boxing, those purses are almost always just completely way off, not even in the, the ballpark of reality, especially when you get to fights that of any kind of magnitude, you know, maybe on the low level fights are maybe sometimes they're true with the undercard fights, but any fight involving anyone that you care about, the, the purses are so far off and I would always see them reported as you would Lance and just like shake my head. I mean, the one that comes out to me is Wilder Fury too. I think they listed both as having $5 million guaranteed purses, but right. they really made around 30 million. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, do I think this really hurts? Um, hurts anyone? No, I don't. But what do you think, Lance? Well, look, for years in covering uh, the purses that would be announced by Nevada for the UFC, I did it from the standpoint of saying, like, look, this is all that we know these guys have been paid. The UFC wanted to really, you know, shield shield us from from letting it be known exactly what they're paying their fighters. And there was a lot of outcry from from some fighters, you know, again, uh, for the most part, anonymously about how underpaid that, that they actually were. But like, you know, you would hear stuff from Dana White too, about saying like, you know, like, Oh, I give, I hand out all these bonuses. Well, it's like, how do we know that you're doing that? We're just supposed to take your word for it. So like sometimes all you have is the guarantee and that's, you know, that's the number that I would put out there. And like, you can, you can say like, you know, so-and-so is saying that, you know, he may get a bonus or not, or he gets like, like a fight of the night bonus or whatever. That's fine. You can tack that onto it. But this is all we know that these guys have been paid. As for boxing, look, I think for the most part, it behooves, uh, I just don't understand this. I mean, it, to me, it behooves both the promoter and the fighter and their managers to say like, this is what we're being paid. This is what we're actually going to be paid for this fight. You know, this is what our pay-per-view cut is. This is what we're expecting uh, the pay-per-view numbers to be. A lot of times we have to wait for those numbers to be uh, communicated before we can really kind of speculate as to what their purse would be. But it is, it's a great unknown. And it's, you know, it's a, it's, it's such a uh, tough situation because it's, it's ripe for deceit. And we, (laughs) if there's anything that we know about covering combat sports is like, there's enough deceit in the world. So from the standpoint right. of reporting those numbers in the first place, I I would sometimes do it just because like, this is what we know for sure. The rest of it, believe it if you want. That's my problem with it though. Is like, I look at Shakur Stevenson. I think his, his purse for that fight with Felix Caraballo last, uh, last month on ESPN was listed at like 400,000 or something like mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. And I saw Shakur being like, no, I made way more than that. Well, it turns out he actually made like 750 for that fight. Yeah. So, I mean, that's not even close to reality. So I, I'm, I think that's the deceitful part is us reporting those purses as being legit. And uh, I'm glad that it's going away. Look, what I, what I, I would love it if they were to just announce the, the actual purses, but I, I don't think it's going to happen in boxing for a number of reasons. Chiefly though, the sanctioning bodies getting their grubby hands 
on on their take you where they take a percentage of the purse they're going off the 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 commission listed purse so you know i, I know a lot of times when you know whether it's top rank ready her and pbc there's a second check so to speak mm-hmm. that the fighters get because you see a lot of times they're saying like, oh, Adrian Broner only got paid this much. And then he really is getting this much. And I believe I saw Eddie Hearn say it somewhere where really he had no idea the PBC guys were getting paid all this money. And it kind of messed with his um, his strategy of to, to get fighters when mm-hmm. he came into the U.S. Yeah. I mean, obviously, at the end of the day, this has to be reported to the IRS. So I, it would be my hope that, again, as you do in reporting or reporting this out by talking to these uh, uh uh, agents, managers, and the, and the fighters themselves, you can get a better grasp on exactly what they are being paid. But, you know, this is all this is going to do with what Nevada's divi- decision is, is that it's just going to, again, keep things as cloudy as possible and make it a make it a game of guesswork, which is unfortunate. Yeah, well, I, I would argue it's already a game of guesswork. But <laughs> uh, Lance, anything else you want to get into? I think, you know, Mike, one of the things I, I actually, I'm going to have a story coming out this week on Robert Garcia, the trainer. And in talking to his uh, uh, younger brother, brother, Mikey Garcia, I thought he said something kind of interesting to me about as he moves toward a possible uh, fight with Manny Pacquiao, Mikey says he believes he can fight for both um, the zone or PBC based on basically whoever the highest bidder is for this fight. I don't know if you've ever heard anything along those lines, but to me that was kind of an interesting um, solution to this, to this problem that we, I, at least I had assumed there would be with, you know, does my, does Manny have to fight on the zone and does he still owe uh, PBC another fight or is there an opportunity to allow this fight to take place, but it would it maybe be on a different network. Well, the way I understand it is Pacquiao is indeed contractually tied to PBC for his next fight. Now, they were willing to let him, I believe, explore the fight in the Middle East. And, um, you know, maybe if you wanted to fight it on a different platform, I think that was, they were, I think they were open to it. Uh, but as far as Mikey Garcia goes, it was always a one fight deal with Eddie Hearn with a first and last attached to it. So, yeah, it would go to the highest bidder because if PBC outbids Eddie Hearn and Eddie Hearn wants to match it, he can. But otherwise, you know, Mikey can fight on another platform. So he's going to get top dollar. Mikey's always done a great job of maximizing his value. And hopefully we're going to see that fight with Pacquiao. I'd love to see it, Mike. Wouldn't you? Oh yeah. It's a great fight. Um, it's a big, it's a big fight for both guys. And it's a chance for Mikey Garcia to kind of redeem himself from that Errol Spence effort. Cause he's determined to show everyone that he can indeed compete with the elite at 147 pounds. So hopefully we'll have some more news on that in the near future. But for now, thanks everyone for joining us. And if you're not a member of The Athletic, now is the best time to subscribe. You can read my work, Lance's work, and all of our other great boxing work, as well as listen to our bevy of podcasts across all sports and partake in exclusive Q&As with our award-winning writers and athletes by subscribing over to The Athletic now. And you can save 40% off your first year by visiting theathletic.com forward slash hug and cop. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Have a great week.